Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Jiminy Jillikers, it's episode number 35 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's number one Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is my co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? So damn good. Fuck you, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really great. Uh, you know, I've got this new job, and it was a really busy week, but it was really good. We had uh, W. Camu Bell on campus, and that was really great, and had a lot of like really important meetings, and... Had like work dinners, which is classier than I've ever had a job before. So it was cool. It was, it was a good week. Now, Liam, you've just come from the city of brotherly love. I have, yeah. What were you doing there? So um, this is a weird thing, but my mm. barber is still in Philadelphia. And so I don't know. It's starting to get weary. But at first the idea was, well, this gives me a convenient excuse to go down in the city and hang out and spend some time. So I had like a... We have like a busy week and I have stuff going on tomorrow with this conference. So me and the wife went down to Philly. I got my hair cut. We went and got some food and then we went and saw a movie. We went and saw a little movie called mm-hmm. uh, Little Men. Oh. Which, uh, uh, who's in that? Um, who's the guy who's talk <laughs> soup? Greg Kinnear is in that. Oh, I, th- I was thinking of um, the movie Tiptoes with Gary Oldman. No, 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 no. Little Men. <laughs> Is it's it? So here's the thing about Little Men. It's really good, and uh, except for the way it ended, kind of pissed me off. But overall, it's really good. How did it end? <laughs> Tell <laughs> well, everyone listening right I'm now. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't expect both of the Little Men to get cancer, but then they do, and it's crazy. Both of them. They both can, die. Can they exchange the organs that have cancer that are still good for each other's bad organs? Is this fucking Canada? No, they can't do that. Oh, <laughs> how's your political system doing in the United States? Oh, God damn it. Let's talk politics. Next That's question. what people want to hear. Next question. <laughs> Liam. Yeah. Shut up. Okay. Uh, actually, Liam, don't shut up. You, in fact, have to keep talking because we don't have another guest today. And for those thinking, I, I know you people thinking that our dumb podcast couldn't get a guest for this episode. That's not true. In fact, we have a lineup. We have like people who are just messaging me on a semi-regular basis to say, can I talk about an Eric Roberts movie on Eric Roberts is the fucking man? And then I say yes, and then they say, can I talk about Runaway Train? And then I say, no, you can't. You have to, <laughs> you have to watch something that you don't want to watch. And then they say, uh, I guess so. But guests are too much fucking work. Um, for this week because we've both been so busy. So Liam has chosen two Eric Roberts movies for us to watch because it's episode number 35. I think it's a good time for self-reflection. It's a good time to take a step back. And and really, this is a great starter point for people who have never listened to Eric Roberts as the fucking man before mm. because you're going to get it potent. This is going to be the most potent version of just the Doug-Liam dynamic. And as I told Liam before we started recording... Uh, this is going to be a one-take wonder. We're not going to be doing any editing. So when Liam does something like play some stupid fucking noises and try to screw up <laughs> my editing, 
you'll hear me get upset in real time. So that's raw great. And uncut. Raw and uncut, right? Yeah. And and uh and yeah, it's... we're gonna stop interrupting me, please. God damn it. We can't talk over each other because uh, the way that Skype works is that it kind of blanks out your audio. And because I'm recording mine separately, it means that you'll never be heard. So it's just not worth doing. I blanked out your mom's audio. Mm, uh, I don't like hearing that. Liam. Yeah. You did choose two movies for us to watch this week. I did. What was your process of choosing these movies? Well, Mm -hmm. um, for the first movie, it was... A film which I knew I wanted to see, which, looking at the uh, remaining Eric Roberts filmography, there's probably only like five or six that I actually desire to watch. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm a huge I'm actually a huge John Waters fan. I love John Waters. I love everything to do with John Waters. I've paid for him to see him do his little Christmas talk in Philly twice, mm-hmm. which is cool except for it was basically the same thing both years so i don't know if i'll do it again but but i I think he's great (laughs) and yet even though i consider myself a not a huge but a pretty solid john waters fan uh i'd never seen cecil be demented it was like on this list of you know all all the other of his films i haven't seen are all the obscure harder to find ones the ones i think i'm but for some reason that was the one of his later releases i hadn't watched so uh, when I realized that Eric Roberts was in it, that was an easy choice. After that, yes, he has. A, he actually has a huge part. Oh my god, it's like essential, essential role. Uh, <laughs> now let's talk about the second movie that you chose oh, oh, for us. God damn. So basically, my process for the second one was just to uh, pick a point in time in his career and then just start asking you on Facebook if you had reviewed any of the movies already. And the first one I came to that you hadn't talked about yet, and I looked at it and I thought, oh, you know, there's a couple recognizable names in this. Uh, you know, it's 90s independent film. Maybe it'll be okay. But I hadn't quite done the math on that. And, uh, mm. you know, I regret it now. Yeah. When I mean, I don't want to judge the works of Mr. Eric Roberts. That's certainly not what we do on this show. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if you see one of his movies and you see the cast and you're like, this could be interesting, or maybe it could be interesting, or maybe it'll be really bad, chances are it's going to come out on the side of being bad. However, it could still be interesting. Uh, And we're going to talk in a little bit about whether American Strays, the the picture that we're going to watch, we watched, in fact, uh, is interesting or not. Did you think it was interesting, Liam? Don't answer that yet. <laughs> so, Liam, I should also mention before we get into the Roberts Report that uh, between the last episode coming out and this episode, uh, Stocked by My Doctor 2 was finally aired. Oh, did you watch it? I did not. I'm too goddamn busy to watch junkie made-for-TV movies, no matter how much we love them on this podcast. I mean... Define too busy. You are talking to me right now. I'm a busy man, Mr. (laughs) Busy. Uh, But what that means is, of course, we have a special Stocked by My Doctor 2 episode coming very soon. And I know a lot of people who listen to this show have been waiting for our response to Stocked by My Doctor 2. And we did. I feel like we have hyped it up a lot for someone who just said a moment ago that I don't have time to watch a movie like that. But we will be watching Stocked by My Doctor 2. I just need to work out some very special guests to join us for that episode. But Liam, I think that's enough chit-chat. Let's get to the Roberts Report. (laughs) 
It's the Roberts Report for episode number 35, Liam O'Donnell. Just you and me to talk about the latest giant Eric Roberts news. And you know what? Over the last couple of weeks, there has been some pretty big Eric Roberts news. And I'm not just talking about the airing of Stocked by My Doctor 2, which again, we'll get to very soon. First, let's talk about what Eric Roberts has been posting on his Twitter feed. He's posted a <laughs> he's posted a wonderful photo uh, of him sitting with uh, Larry King. Oh, that is a wonderful photo, actually. I don't really know what's going on in this photo. I should have done a little more research. <laughs> I, I think it has something to do with baseball. But anyway, it's him and Larry King. Wouldn't you, Liam O'Donnell, want to see a buddy comedy starring Larry King and Eric Roberts? Uh, yes, I don't know. I, the, the, can, can Eric? I, can Eric? Can Larry King act? I mean, I saw him briefly in uh, Dude Bro Party Massacre Three, but other than that, I'm unaware of his acting chops. It, you know, I I actually recently saw Dude Bro Party Massacre Three as well. Uh, but uh, he also was in the uh, People versus O.J. Simpson, playing a younger version of himself. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, you should. It's a very good program. All right, I'll uh, try. Well, uh, I, sh- I, sh- I you know what I would I ask you, Liam? When your wife and yourself went to Philadelphia earlier today and you went out and had a meal, what did you have? What did people from Philadelphia eat in Philadelphia? Well, immediately after the haircut, we went and mm. got Federal Donuts. Uh, I love Federal Donuts. They were briefly a sponsor of my other podcast, and they probably would continue to be a sponsor if I ever made it, that connection again. Uh, but it's a, it's a, you know, they do... Chicken and donuts and coffee, and that's what they do there. And I I go to Philly more often than my wife gets the opportunity to. So I'm a little – and I'm a type 1 diabetic. So I'm not trying to go get donuts all the time. It's not sure. a thing that I do very often. But she hadn't been in a long time, so she was like, well, let's make a special trip Aww. to go, which we did. And they have a new blueberry pancake donut that Ooh. is – Oh, it's heavenly. It's so good. And then we also got that in the in the churro donut, which was also really good. I got a question for you, Liam. Sure. Do they get upset if you dunk the chicken in the coffee? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll try it next time I go and I'll report back. All right. Please do. So is the chicken good? I, I should ask. I don't know anything about federal donuts oh. because here, you know, we don't we just don't have a federal system here. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's named after a street, but that's cool. Whatever you, whatever you need to do. Uh, federal Street. Yeah, Federal Street. It's oh, actually in South Philly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the chicken's good. It's um, it's actually done Korean style, so double fried, and uh, they they have a variety of glazes and rubs for the chicken that are. What's your What's your glaze or rub of choice? Uh, zatar. Mmm. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's really good. And I do like that. Korean uh, style of fried chicken. So this sounds like a, a trip I have to make. Yeah. And then we and then our plan after that was so that place is actually owned by the folks who run a, a high end restaurant called uh, Zahab. And so we thought uh, we got to the movie a little bit early. So we said, let's get some appetizers at Zahab. They weren't open yet. So uh, we have friends who work at a place called the Kyber Pass pub. So let's go there. And they were closed for renovations. So we ended up at some bar called Sassafras, which I'd never been to before, and we were short on time, so we just got appetizers, but we got uh, truffle fries, deviled eggs, and pierogies. And the pierogies were not just normal pierogies, they had like sausage and a little bit of sauerkraut in them, and Mm -hmm. everything, like we kind of, I kind of ordered without my hopes up, and everything was fucking awesome. So if for whatever reason Kyra Pass is closed, 
and you're on Second Street in Philly. I guess I should start there. If you're on Second Street in Philly and Kyber Pass is closed, head on over to Sassafras. It was actually pretty good. Well, listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking <laughs> As I mentioned before, I won't be editing out that long, boring story that Liam just told about his so meal today. Much. I hate you so much. I can't imagine anyone being interested in it. It does sound like a nice meal that you had. <laughs> I would totally do a podcast where I just talk about food I ate. Like, that's what a fucking nerd I am about food. <laughs> it might actually have a few more listeners than one about Eric Roberts. <laughs> Eric Roberts on September 14th tweeted something which I think we can both appreciate. He tweeted, great, with a capital everything. <laughs> what is, I don't, what? I looked through, there was no context to it. There wasn't something he was responding to. He just was feeling very positive. And again, we're not here to mock Eric Roberts. I actually love when uh, when any celebrity tweets out some sort of positivity as opposed to kind of giving into the, Wealth of negativity, especially the one that's destroying your country right now, Liam. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but Eric Roberts thinks that things are great with a capital everything. Agree? Disagree? Uh, sure. That sounds like a thing I can momentarily agree with. Maybe if you had those pierogies again, you'd be feeling that they were great with a capital <laughs> Probably. Here's a scoop. <laughs> over, over at BroadwayWorld.com for some reason, uh, they mentioned that there's a show on CBS, Liam, called Code Black. Have you ever heard of this show? Literally never. I'm not 100% sure it's something that actually exists, but these CBS shows, they they seem to last for decades, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Well, this is a show called Code Black, and uh, apparently on October 5th, Wednesday, October 5th, uh, they're going to have an episode, which I'm not going to talk about the plot summary because, again, I don't know what this show is even about, but it does apparently have Cameron Manheim guest starring. Remember Cameron Manheim? No. She was on a show. <laughs> uh, I think it was a courtroom show. Maybe it was Boston Legal. That sounds about right. But also, uh, Eric Roberts is going to guest star as Vince, Mario's opportunistic father. Mario. Okay. Mario, okay. No, not no, not the Super Mario Mario. Probably a character on this show. What's it called? Code Black on CBS. Are you excited? Uh, well, we should be excited, Liam, because, of course, we've made a blood oath to watch all the works of Eric Roberts, both television, uh, movies, podcasts, really anything that might possibly exist. So at some point, we will be watching Code Black on CBS. I just feel like at this rate, I'll, I'll be dead before we get to everything. One can hope. <laughs> but really, the big news of the last two weeks, and this really is the biggest news of the week uh, because it came through in my Eric Roberts Google alert, is that... The Brooklyn Nine-Nine season four premiere is coming up. And you might say, Doug, why are you bringing up Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the hilarious show on uh, Fox, I think it's on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why am I? Why am I bringing it up, Liam? I assume it's because uh, Eric Roberts is going to be on it. Yes, Eric Roberts is going to play uh, the big-time criminal Jimmy Figgis in episode three of the upcoming run of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's a big get. That's a big get. Actually, I have watched the first season and a half, I think, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's a pretty funny show. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Isn't it great that he's going to be guesting on a show that we actually want to watch and not say a short-lived Wesley Snipes drama? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I would prefer. I mean, how long is he on? Is he like is it a one episode or a full season? Well, it says here that he's going to be on the third episode, but it seems like the kind of role that could be uh, returning, right? Maybe he'll become a regular. 
if he became a regular, this show would take on a whole nother angle, and I think that'd be kind of fun. I think it would be Brooklyn 10-10 after that. Oh, God damn it. What do you think? Uh, what else are we talking about? Well, we're talking about <laughs> the Guinness World Records. Why? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, did you ever read the Guinness World Records book when you were a kid? No. Really? Not, not even once. <laughs> no, okay. To... Occasionally, it, it, I had a friend who had one, and occasionally we'd think of something random and be like, is that in there? But, like, we, we didn't really get it. I didn't, like, sit with it and, like, look through it. Man, I spent many an hour in my childhood reading through the latest uh, book of the Guinness World Records and looking at the pictures inside, like those two really overweight twins on the motorcycles. Remember them? Sure. So anyway, the Guinness World Records recently entered a movie, or I should say a movie recently entered the Guinness World Record book, and it is as the most profitable or the highest domestic gross... In Bollywood, Nollywood, and Hollywood, Bollywood is, of course, uh, Indian films. Hollywood, you know what that is. But Nollywood, that's from Nigeria, right? Well, the highest, oh, sure, yeah. The highest grossing or the uh, the biggest box office for a Nigerian movie is from one called 30 Days in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, 30 Days in Atlanta, and I'm going to get to a point here. <laughs> good, good. Uh, 30 Days in Atlanta stars a, a Nigerian comedian named Ayo. His name is Ayo Makun, I think. And he's known popularly as I, A-Y. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I don't know. I'm not from Nigeria. Uh, but he has a movie. You might remember, Liam, that he has a movie coming up with Eric Roberts in it. Sure. I, we talked about that. It's called A Trip to Jamaica. Oh, yeah, the one that's filmed in Jamaica, but it's a it's a Nigerian movie. So A, or I, or A-Y, he says, in terms of the his highest grossing movie that he already has, he says, let's do it again with my new movie, A Trip to Jamaica, premiering on September 25th and showing across cinemas in Nigeria from September 30th, meaning, of course, that his hope is that Eric Roberts will soon be in the highest grossing Nigerian film of all time. Uh, that would be quite a feat, and... Um... A significant bump for Eric Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's usually a lot of Hollywood stars in these Nigerian movies. I have seen a few, uh, and they uh, they usually don't trade in a lot of Hollywood actors. So it's pretty great that this one will have Mr. Eric Roberts. I'm excited for us to watch it. Usually at this point, Liam, I would have a movie recently added to Eric Roberts' Internet Movie Database page. But I've just been too damn busy. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it next time. We'll get, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll double up next time. What do you think about that? I'm into it. I want to hear more about you, Liam. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. All right, go ahead. What's your favorite sweet? My, what? I don't even know what that means. Is that some weird British thing? What are you talking about? I think like a, a candy. What's your favorite candy? Yeah, that's say fucking candy, all right? I'm not, mm. some, not some 1700s dandy over here. Well, you, you do have that lace doily. <laughs> yeah, but that's a gang doily. It's a totally different thing. It's hanging out of your back pocket. No, I mean, <laughs> again, we've talked at length about your diabetes, and I don't want to get into that. But I want to hear what your favorite sweet is. Mm, um, that's a hard question because I don't, I don't eat candy much anymore, and so I've kind of lost touch. Like when I was growing up, I. I don't know why this was it, but when I was growing up, I really liked a uh, bit of honey. Okay. 
um, which is impossible to find now, but it, it was something I was really into. And then later that transitioned into a combo of like Starburst and Skittles. Okay. Uh, now, but, let, let me interrupt you just for a second, Liam, just because yeah. I'm worried you're going to go off on some long, boring tangent. Oh, my God. If I could go into your body right now and massage your pancreas sure. so it starts to uh, create insulin and inject it or however the organ is this, works. Is this, how, is this how medicine works in your shitty country? Uh, it's hand in, massage, hand out, and everything works again. So say <laughs> that your pancreas worked like a human being as opposed sure. to yourself. Uh, and right now you could have any candy – in the entire world, what would it be? Mm, um, oh boy, this is intolerable. <laughs> I know. I I actually I, I think it might be a Butterfinger. Really? That's interesting. Um, but I again, I know you just told me to disregard my diabetes, but the reality is, I I think I fool myself into thinking that candy that has some sort of like. Uh, peanutty thing to it is somehow less bad for me which i think is not true at all but in my brain it like makes me feel less bad about eating it listeners of eric roberts is the fucking man why don't you tell us what your favorite sweet is you can always tweet us over at eritfm i want to hear about it i want to announce on the show what your favorite sweets are uh going back to what you were just saying liam what's your favorite nut (laughs) pistachios i love pistachios why are they so expensive um, is it because I, we've destroyed our environment? Yeah, I was going to say, are, are pistachios one of the things that's like killing California because of all the water? If can Are they cheaper in California? Is that a reason to go to California? Um, I don't. I, I can't think of a single reason to go to California. Hollywood actors in Hollywood, California. <laughs> okay. It's a good reason to go, right? Hollywood actors like Eric Roberts, the subject of Eric Roberts is a Fucking Man, episode number 35, which we're on right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that makes sense. All right. Well, let's take our first break, Liam O'Donnell. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually legitimately forgot your name for a second there. <laughs> but not getting edited I out. Always, I always forget yours. I just call you Doug is the fucking man. Uh, didn't you recently? Yes, you did, Liam O'Donnell. You, had, you sent over a document about prospective guests for your own podcast. And sure. you, you had my name written on it, which I, I actually was was chuffed to hear about. But you spelled my name wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because I don't care about you or your feelings. But. I will say that that's perfectly okay. In fact, it's a, it's a sentiment uh, shared by many people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at the end of every episode of this show, I do very adamantly spell out my last name just so people don't make the error that you made. By the time we get to the end of the show... Your dulcet tones and Canadian goodwill have so fucking crushed my psyche that I have to just, like, get off as quickly. Like, I'm already tuned out. I'm starting to go into, like, a coma state. And if I don't immediately, like, start listening to Howard Stern or, like, go outside and get cursed at by someone immediately, like, my whole nervous system will just shut down. Not to pull back the curtain too far, but uh, many a time Liam has directly insulted one of our guests by as soon as we're finished recording, we'll be saying like, hey, that was a good show. And Leo will be like, bye, and just hang up on them. <laughs> Wait, come on. I, I, that's only happened twice. It's happened like the last two episodes. Well, we you seem so done with it. You're like, okay, that is it. That's enough of my time devoted to Eric Roberts this <laughs> goddamn week. If we go long and I have to use the bathroom, I'm just going to get off, man. It's just how it goes. Yeah, well, anyway, it's T-I-L-L-E-Y. 
<laughs> I mean, sure, I spelled Doug right, though. That's got to count for something. It does count for something. When we return, 1996's American Strays. Oh, we're starting with that one? Oh, it's geez. chronologically, we got to start with that one. God Believe me, it. doesn't make me happy either. <laughs> but when we come back after this, American Strays. desert can be a lonely place for the people who live there or for those who are traveling through. It is also the teller of different stories, including the story of a traveling salesman whose only commodity is death and the story of a young man who finds that the death that he wishes for is difficult to find. Others are just traveling through on their way to another place when they stop to eat at Red's Desert Oasis. The food may not be great and the waitress may be surly, but those who stopped at Red's will find that they are involved in the showdown of their life. It's 1996's American Strays, and it sucks dick. <laughs> it is a, a, a really painful thing to watch this movie. And it's interesting because I remember 1996. Interesting year. Punk just broke. <laughs> no, but I remember like every VHS shelf in 1996 had a copy of American Strays on it. I remember the the box uh, the box art of it very very clearly, and I never saw it at the time. I just never watched it. I was like Luke Perry, fuck that. Uh, and yes, Luke Perry is in this movie, and it's one of those movies that came out in '96 in the wake of a little movie that conquered the world called Pulp Fiction. And after Pulp Fiction came out. Every fucking piece of shit student from film school, they all wanted to make their own Pulp Fiction. And instead of, you know, coming up with like a, an original concept and uh, playing around with the structure of the film and something like that. No, they instead they just put guys in suits and had them point guns at each other and had them do like pop culture references at each other. And they thought that was a movie. So like dozens of these fucking things came out in like the next two years after Pulp Fiction. And they all were awful. Actually, maybe that's a simplification, but do you remember this time, Liam? Yeah, I mean, it was a real... I, I, okay, let me let me fess up a little bit here. Fess? You know, uh, I, I'm sure there are some movies at the time that I rented, because I rented a lot of fucking movies at this. I mean, that was what you did uh, on many a weekend was rent movies. And I'm sure there were some movies I rented that, in retrospect, if I went back and rewatched them, I'd say, this is such an obvious bullshit pulp fiction ripoff right and and, and it was so prevalent it's kind of like you know now that the fog has lifted we all look back and go ska what the fuck was that jesus but like pick it up pick it up pick it up i mean come on 
come on, some of you listen to Scott. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't really pretend you're it, in the same way. Like watching this now, I'm like, who fucking decided to make this movie? Who thought this was a good idea? Who thought that this worked together in any way, shape, or form that anyone would find this entertaining? But the fact that it is also one of these films that so clearly is aping Pulp Fiction without understanding anything about what made Pulp Fiction an interesting film to watch, I shouldn't act like that's the most surprising thing in the world. Because I'm sure there were other films I watched at the time that were the same thing that I actually enjoyed. But this movie, even if I had seen it in 1996, uh, there's no way. This is like one of the worst. It's peak bullshit fake in the past. I mean, I kind of assumed that this was all over the place. Like, I really think, you know, small film festivals after Pulp Fiction came out right. had to be a fucking torture chamber of bullshit angles, dudes in suits, guns, dialogue didn't make any sense, endings that were completely unearned, all this, like, uh, I, the things about this movie that really <laughs> bummed me out. Like, first of all, that weird description you just read, which I'm assuming is from IMDb. Straight from IMDb. That's not, you know, like sometimes you read a synopsis and it's not the full synopsis. It's sort of like it hints that something may be happening. Mm -hmm. That's the whole fucking movie. That yeah. vague, weird thing that sounds like it's hinting at something else. No, that's the whole movie. That's yeah. the movie. that You might as well say that's the that was the elevator pitch to make this fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to pull back from you for a second, Liam, just to give a little more elaboration on this movie please do please, please. listen so this movie basically has like four or five stories happening simultaneously uh maybe even six or seven but like a number of stories happening happening simultaneously it's very much in the style not just of pulp fiction uh which again that one is is out of chronological order this one is fairly in chronological order and like robert altman's shortcuts is the other movie that i thought of while watching it yeah uh, just a lot of stories that are like short stories that kind of exist separately, and then they all come together for the most part at the end for a bunch of bullshit. Uh, and you could probably rank these stories in that some are more interesting than others. One of them features a harried family, uh, and the patriarch of that family is Eric Roberts, who's playing actually kind of against type as a um, kind of nebbish, buttoned-down very nervous father uh, in a in a minivan or a, a truck or whatever that is uh, dragging along his kids and family, and apparently they've gone through some sort of hard financial times recently. His story, not very interesting. <laughs> it's really not. He's good, but it's not an interesting story. Some of the stories are more interesting, but even the best ones are just complete bullshit. Before we get I back to the movie, and I know you want to interject here, Liam, I want to ask you, do you remember... Any of these movies, any of these uh, post-Pulp Fiction movies that uh, that you have an opinion about? Can you name any? Um, shit. Name uh, names. You know, the one that comes to mind immediately is Things, yeah. things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Oh, ah, oh, I hated that one. That's I, one of the... I saw that when it came out and I was not a fan. And I remember uh, in on the VHS shelves, and, and again, I was huge into Pulp Fiction when it came out. Of course, a lot of people who were kind of into independent movie, movies at that time, obviously it was a very mainstream thing to enjoy, but I was like 15, 16. I was just really into it. Uh, and there was a movie that came out called For a Few Lousy Dollars, which on the front cover, it had basically people cosplaying the cast of Reservoir Dogs on it. 
And, sure. and I remember renting it thinking, hey, this should be good. And it was one of those things where I was poisoned by it immediately. I was like, oh, I see what they're trying to do here. Oh, this isn't good at all. And it really kind of colored my view of almost all of those Tarantino-inspired movies which came after. Hey, even Destiny Turns on the Radio was sort of like that. And that had featured Quentin Tarantino in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, glad you're with me here, Liam. Liam, of the stories that are in American Strays, which one was your favorite? Okay, let me say this first off. You are being so generous by calling them stories. Because (laughs) stories suggest that they're more than just a few disjointed scenes. I mean, okay, so one of these stories is... (laughs) You just call them stories. One of these scenarios (laughs) that you're calling stories is... Two seemingly, I guess they're criminals, I don't fucking know, in a car. Uh, you know what's terrible about this? I just realized two of the scenarios fit what I've said already. There, there, are, there are two yeah. of these situations that are criminals, but one is two older white gentlemen and one is two uh, black gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them do we get any context other than that they have guns and they're criminals. I guess the white guys—they uh, have someone in their trunk. They do. They have—they have someone in their trunk. So I guess that is a little bit more uh, information. Um, but okay, so um, there's a a one of the stories that actually seems to have a little bit more meat to it uh, is the traveling vacuum salesman who's actually a serial killer, right? And that I, I say meat—that's being very generous. There's really still not much there. But the other things are so fucking ephemeral that that one seems like, oh, there's, there's more here to talk about. You it's know? the only one that's actually a story, and, and not coincidentally, it's the one that's disconnected from the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, oh, can I, can I say something really quick? I just remembered one of the ones that really bummed me out. Mm-hmm. Two Days in the Valley. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that fucking movie. I was like, what is the name of that movie? There's one that really made me like, real unhappy when I was a kid, and that was, that was it. Uh, <laughs> The, the follow-up to that would be, be cool. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, Luke Perry. Oh, eight heads in a duffel bag. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So then, then the other, the other story, <laughs> the other story is, uh, this, okay. So let me, let me go back here to, you read this description and the description, uh, it, it says, you know, um, it's a teller of different stories. So, the, you know, there's stories like the traveling salesman whose only commodity is death. Okay, sure. The story of a young man who finds that death that he wishes for is difficult to find. Okay. And then it just literally goes, others are just traveling through. <laughs> and I literally feel like what we have here is two stories that didn't have enough to them to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, the traveling salesman is a real story. It's bullshit, but it's a real story. The Luke Perry thing, it's barely even a story. In fact, that portion of the movie feels like some sort of weird abstract French play. Absolutely. Like, nothing makes sense, and the, most of the rooms they're in don't have fucking roofs, and the whole thing seems weird. So it feels like they started filming these two things and realized that neither one had enough meat to justify a goddamn movie. And then the whole Red Desert Oasis, which all of which occurs completely separate from those first two scenarios, right. that, uh, that that all feels like fucking filler. And it's filler... With some recognizable actors, you know what I mean. Like it's it, it felt like a real waste of people. So I mean, granted, not everyone quite had made. I, I think this came out before one of the police officers became the tick. But still, 
Um, Patrick it, Warburton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, the point is, is that like it's hard for me to say like which is the best one. But I can say the one that made the least sense and got on my nerves the most was the Luke Perry. Now, okay, so let me explain to the listeners what happens in the Luke Perry one. Luke Perry stars as this kind of put-upon schlub. Yes, 1996 Luke Perry, who was really impossibly handsome-looking, is playing this guy who lives in garbage and is continually trying to kill himself. But for whatever reason, he just can't do it. He either fucks it up like an idiot or just can't follow through or whatever. So he sees an ad in the paper for to, so he can hire someone to kill him. And that person who's going to kill him is played by Flash Gordon from 1980s Flash Gordon. Uh, and it also, I guess, is someone that he knows from his childhood that also used to beat on him. And at some point, his brother shows up and his brother is upset that Luke Perry did not call him to kill him instead. So then we get a sequence of those two trying to kill Luke Perry. And that whole... I'm going to tell you how it ends because it's so fucking stupid. Terrible. So they're in the middle of nowhere because they're trying to tie him to a railroad tracks. And for whatever reason, that doesn't work. And their car won't start. So they end up uh, hitching a ride with this woman uh, who even like jokes about how kind of dangerous it is to go with these three guys. She goes back to Luke Perry's dilapidated house. Um, and, and, and kind of messes around with him and seems to be into the idea of them killing Luke Perry. But at some point, they start beating on her instead. Uh, everyone except for Luke Perry uh, starts beating on her. And it appears that they're going to try to rape her. And then Luke Perry picks up a gun and shoots them. And that's the whole fucking thing. And there's oh, by a the final, way, yeah, there's sure, a final sure. shot of her in a nighty. which where did that nighty even from come from? With him in a bed in a big open space. And that's supposed to be like, I guess their happy ending. Like, yeah. I don't know. Because that's what he said. He even says because there's a voiceover, a really lame voiceover, talking about how you know all he really wanted was what everyone else wants, which is love in his life. Ah. Give a little bit, right? Give a little bit of your love to me. Hey, hey, Doug. Hmm. Killing Zoe. Yes. Well, Roger Avery was part of Pulp Fiction, so he gets it. That's fair. That's fair. But what about Love Under 45? Ooh, that's a good one. In that, it's really not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What an era it was in the mid-90s for these shitty movies. (laughs) Tell me, Liam O'Donnell, who is the actor you are most happy to see in American Strays? I mean... Uh, obviously the correct answer here is Eric Roberts. Like I'm always the most happy to see Eric Roberts because um, that's why we do the show. So when we watch some of these movies and there's no fucking Eric Roberts, it makes me want to jump out a window. That being said, I'm always a little tickled when I see Joe Vitarelli Mm -hmm. because it's just like his whole career. It's just him being like, man, I don't know. You know, like (laughs) something about that. just always makes me really happy. Uh, But um, you know, one of the reasons I chose it, why don't I see her name? Um, Jennifer Tilly? Yeah, she's not on the little thing you put on. No, here. her name is T-I-L-L-Y, just letting you know. I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, the, one of the reasons I chose it, and not because I'm a huge Jennifer Tilly fan, but I, I thought, well, she's at least amusing, uh, and so that'll be interesting, but um, I don't know that she was that uh, engaging in this particular film. She is part of the big twist on the story of the traveling salesman who's also a serial killer in that he ends up knocking on the door of her house and she is actually a serial killer of traveling salesmen, except then there's even a twist on top of that, which is that they end up working together. 
Yeah, it's real twisty. It's real twisty, I think. But I do like Jennifer Tilly. But I also want to say, Liam, that if you need a reason to hate American Strays, you don't need to look any further than the box art or the movie poster for it. Oh, it's so bad. Which features Luke Perry. Yeah. Jennifer Tilly and Eric Roberts. And they're all just standing there with their with a gun in each of their hands. They're all holding guns, right? And Eric Roberts, he doesn't look like the the glasses wearing nebbish Ned Flanders like character that he plays in the movie. No, he looks like Eric Roberts from Best of the Best in this fucking picture. Well, and, in the picture too, none of them none of them look like how they look in the movie. No, that's right. And Luke Perry doesn't look like this dilapidated loser. He looks like cool guy Luke Perry holding a gun. Now, Luke Perry does hold a gun in this movie. And Jennifer Tilly does as well. But the arms that are in this picture do not belong to the actors in question. No, not at all. <laughs> so it's this thing which is making it look like this sort of action-y, hip, because they're all against like a black background, uh, cool movie for 1996. But let me tell you, there is nothing hip and cool about violence. No, I mean, there's nothing hip and cool about this movie. It just feels so lame, especially because all the conversation is in, this, in this movie, they never say anything with like a sentence it has to be like a fucking soliloquy every time just these long back and forth pieces of dialogue just like how you and i talk liam um yeah where where they don't go anywhere and it's all about these kind of fake arguments and everyone kind of talks in the same way i really have to say this movie you see the last episode of eric roberts is the fucking man we watched two pretty painful movies we watched national security and uh, witless protection and this isn't in the level of those type of movies, but this one I feel like irritated me more than either of those two movies. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's kind of like, um, you know, if if you're if you're a fan of the Wu Tang Clan, you know, um, then you're probably well aware that after that second record like just exploded all over hip hop, mm-hmm. there were a million shitty Wu Tang ripoffs. And if you're a fan of the Wu Tang Clan, those ripoffs probably bother you more than like Vanilla Ice because you're just like, well, obviously Vanilla Ice is shitty, but this record is made for me and it's not what I want. You right. know, this record might even have a member of the Wu Tang Clan on it and still be bad. I mean, especially now that member probably means like any number of fifty <laughs> yeah. fucking people. That's exactly that you've never even heard of. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, don't be wrong. Like, I'll get a Kill a Priest record and that's fine. But, anyways, getting back to the movie thing, like. Yeah, I mean, this one, in a field of movies like Very Bad Things and Palookaville, this movie might actually be, like, one of the worst <laughs> of these mid-90s films I've ever seen. Very like, really. Bad Things. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm, I, of, of the movies we've been referencing this whole time, this is the worst, I, I, at least in my memory. Now, I'm sure there's something that I, that either I didn't catch or I don't remember, but like of the ones that I've been, I've been able to remember, I've never seen one as bad because this one is not just, um, it's not just lacking the charm or some of the honestly to me brilliance of Pulp Fiction. It's also just done poorly. Like it has all these people in it. I, I say all these people. None of them are huge, but they're they're all people that were enough that you could make a like a mid level. Oh, it's on HBO and it's two in the morning and I can't sleep. I could watch. But like if I had to choose between like just looking at paint drying and watching this fucking movie again, I would not watch this movie again. Nothing about it is engaging for me at any level. I feel like people who hate Quentin Tarantino 
the way that they see his movies is how I see this movie. Yeah, right? sure. Just yeah. people talking bullshit at each other with no sense of tension and just ripping off a bunch of stuff. I mean, this, again, rips off Tarantino in the way that people accuse Tarantino of ripping off other movies. Right. Uh, but in that it's not direct. It's just it's more like a, a hint of it. You can't stop thinking about it when you're watching this movie. But, Liam O'Donnell, this movie does feature one Mr. Eric Roberts in the role of Martin, uh, who at the end of the movie ends up in the middle of this uh, shootout. Because what it is is all of these different um, uh, elements, all these different stories, uh, so to speak, they end up at this diner. These hitmen, some cops come in. All of them, uh, the things come to a fever pitch. All of them start pointing guns at each other. But while that's going on, Eric Roberts, who has stopped at this place, and has no money because he's completely broke, but his family needs food. He's shoplifting at the same time. When the cops come in, he thinks that they're after him, but really it's just because there's guns everywhere. Everyone ends up shooting each other. Him and his wife end up rekindling their love <laughs> in the trauma and and stealing the money from the scene so they can go live ha- happily ever after with their fucking <laughs> irritating kids. Um, and that is their entire story, and it sucks, and it's awful to watch. But what did you, Liam O'Donnell, think of Eric Roberts in American Strays? I, okay, I like him in this role. I like him because it's not something I'm used to seeing from him. I'm not used to seeing him playing this sort of character. And there's a moment where he basically has a tantrum. Like, it's supposed to be, like, the first parts of a nervous breakdown, but it's it's just... Eric Roberts, like, chewing the scenery for no reason. Like, I'm just going to kick this thing and do a little physical comedy, and that's just how it's going to be. And, you know, I love that. Like, I think that's great. But it's hard for me to be stoked on him in what is possibly the weakest element in an already pretty fucked up movie. You know what I mean? Like, so even though I, I really appreciated his doing something I wasn't expecting... I still was just bummed because I'm like, oh, this part is so stupid. This is why this is movie's already stupid. Why is this happening? <laughs> I think he's fine in the role. I really do. I like seeing him play yeah. this as opposed to someone cool or even someone nervous and and disaffecting like he kind of has in a lot of his 80s roles. I think he, I think it's interesting to see him play this role. I do love that scene where he stops the car and has that little breakdown and just kind of is like stomping the ground out of frustration. I think that's his yeah. highlight in this movie and maybe one of the highlights of the movie as a whole. But that says less about the quality of what's happening and more about the quality of the movie. Um, so I would actually consider him one of the highlights here, but he is the highlight of a movie filled with lowlights. Um, and so it, it's yeah. hard to get too enthusiastic about it. I will say it's nice that he has a little bit of a larger role in this movie than he has in, say, another movie we might be talking about today. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, but it's no suicide. (laughs) Do you have a list in front of you right now? (laughs) (laughs) Give us a couple more. Give us a couple more of Tarantino ripoffs. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, it's it's no... uh, Oh, I don't like that one. Uh, It's... Oh, no, that's a bad one, too. It's... uh, Oh, no, I don't like... I don't want to do that one. All right. It's no The Big Hit. Oh, the big hit. Well, yeah, I guess. Or uh, or get shorty. Uh, I mean, or, yeah. uh, I like get shorty, shorty, so I'm not gonna. I actually do like, but be cool is literally one of the worst movies I've ever sat through in my life. Yeah, I've never seen. Uh, it. I love the book Get Shorty too. Let's talk about those things instead of this movie. What about intermission? Are you a fan of intermission? Which one is that? 
It's actually, I don't know that it completely, it's, it's related, but I don't know if it completely falls under the category. But it's a... Uh, ah, um... uh, riveting. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I, hold on, I can't hold on. hold on. We're recording and I can't edit this. Colin Farrell's in it. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. I love it. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> what about reindeer games? <laughs> okay, now we're getting somewhere. Uh, what did you think? Like, did you think Liam O'Donnell that Eric Roberts was the fucking man in the movie American Strays from 1996? Um, you know, I I really want to deny him that because I'm just angry. I had to watch this, but uh, you are right. Like in a film with some. Honestly, some of the worst performances I've watched in a long time. Uh, you know, he 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 had the role down. I just wish that his performance was linked to a more engaging story. But I, I still think he's the man. I still I'm still going to give it to him. All right. Well, I agree with you, Liam. I'm going to say that he's the man, uh, somewhat hesitantly. The best story in this movie involves. John Savage playing that traveling salesman. He's probably the highlight of the movie in his kind of Colonel Sanders gear as he's going along. He's really the only one giving a performance. And can you please stop making whatever the fucking noise you're making right now? Sorry. <laughs> and so I am going to agree with you. Eric Roberts is the fucking man, just like the title of this podcast. And we, thankfully, Liam, never have to watch American Strays ever again. No, we really never do, and that makes me very happy. It makes both of us happy. Speaking of happy, let's take a break. And when we return, we're going to be talking about a filmmaker that makes me very happy, Mr. John Waters, and his 2000 film, Cecil B. Demented. Let's talk about that right after this. Hey, yo, man, listen up. When we say action, we mean action, yo. Ain't nobody putting us in turn around. You got that motherfucker? We ain't got no budget. No budget. No craft service, man. No budget. We don't take no notes. No budget. No fucking call sheets, yo. No budget. We ain't recouping shit. No budget. Yeah, we got to start day for real. No budget. Yo, this picture's a go. No budget. And we gonna turn Hollywood out. Yeah. No budget. How the fuck you think you just gonna touch these rich? You don't need to help with no fucking lip pops or so-called critics. I will send them your movie set with the hottest guns names. When we say action cameras rolling, an insane independent film director and his renegade group of teenage filmmakers kidnap an A-list Hollywood actress and force her to star in their underground film. It's Cecil B. Demented from 2000, directed by Mr. John Waters. Starring, of course, Melanie Griffith as the Hollywood actress Honey Whitlock and a really impressive cast of future stars, including Adrian Grenier. Is that how you pronounce his name there, Liam? I'm, I think so, The guy yeah. from Entourage. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> from Entourage. Lawrence Gillier Jr. from The Wire. Maggie Gyllenhaal is here. Uh, and as is Michael Shannon has a pretty uh, significant part post, uh, post-Groundhog Day, but before a lot of his recent success. Uh, and the star of the show is, of course, Stephen Dorff. Everybody's favorite, <laughs> Stephen Dorff. He plays... Cecil B. Demented. And it's this is a very interesting movie, and it's one that I want us to have a real conversation about because I feel like I have some issues that you might be able to smooth over for me, Liam. So I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the movie Cecil B. Demented? When I first started watching it, it took me a moment to click with the film because I hadn't watched something so ridiculous. In a, I, I mean, I, there's a sense to which... Everything in it is very over the top. Uh, when uh, Cecil B. Demented's gang is showing off their various director tattoos, 
the the phrases they use to like coordinate the attack on the movie theater the crazy shit that happens at the movie theater like there's so much being uh made a farce of in the film that at first i, I don't know why but i just wasn't thinking that way and i thought this movie's fucking ridiculous like what is even happening right now but once i started to really expect that and really kind of look for um you know with john waters uh, there's always something being said but that something isn't necessarily like deep you know he's not trying to make like a philosophical point but he is often saying something even with some of the smallest details come with like a, a thought uh, and that thought might be completely snarky but it's it's there and the more that i started to think about it that way the more the film really started to make me laugh and by the end i was just fucking about everything was hilarious and uh the performances were so just like what the fuck is even going on that i don't know i i it's you know it doesn't necessarily replace polyester for me but uh it's it's a movie that i will definitely return to it's a movie that certainly is very John Waters. His sensibilities are all over this, as you would expect. I mean, he did write and direct it. Uh, it's it's yep. a very it's a movie that very much is kind of thumbing its nose at mainstream cinema. It really seems to be a direct response to the kind of big Hollywood movies that were being made, especially at that time. Those kind of of, of awards um, uh, movies, sort of like well, obviously they directly reference Forrest Gump in this movie. Uh, Patch Adams. There's this really great visual. In fact, I think the greatest joke of the entire movie comes in the opening credits where they have the marquee at the cinema and it's just Star Wars and Star Trek all the way up and down. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> today it would just be superhero movies up and down. And I'm sure he feels very similarly in regards to that. My problem with Cecil B. Demented is that it's just a, it just doesn't go far enough, right? What, what I love about it is the way that it tries to celebrate no-budget filmmaking, micro-budget filmmaking. Obviously, that's something I'm really passionate about. I do have a podcast about that. And it is something that I, when I see that in a movie, there's even a song that plays all about no-budget filmmaking at one point. Um, and that idea of these filmmakers who are like, we are going to have the purest vision of movie making. We're going to do it with no money at all. We're going to do it around real circumstances. We're going to make movies like John Waters did when he first started making movies. But... And even ignoring the fact that John Waters eventually started to tailor his work to more mainstream audiences, this feels like a neutered version of his original vision. What they're doing, even though it does involve some light kidnapping and murder, it always feels to me like it's 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 just, you know, instead of feeling edgy, it feels like something trying to be edgy. And with some, with John Waters, you should never feel that way. That guy is the epitome of what edge used to be, right? I just feel like it maybe has dulled a little bit by the year 2000. There are a few moments in this movie where it, it really did make me laugh. Especially Michael Shannon's character, who is so great. And I wish he was... I wish he got a lot more screen time. Him yelling, tell me about Mel Gibson's cock and balls <laughs> to, to, the, to, the, uh, to Melanie Griffith's yeah. character. I thought that's great. That's something I can get behind. I, get, I really like a lot of these characters. I even like Stephen Dorff in the lead. I mocked him a little bit when I was doing the intro there. But it's just because Stephen Dorff? Why the fuck? But then again, you know, this is the same guy who cast Edward Furlong in Pecker. Uh, and and <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you know, maybe the acting quality isn't something that he's that interested in. And the cast here is really great. It really is terrific. But I just can't get behind it. I feel like that if you're going to rebel against the Hollywood system... 
even while working within it to some extent, then you can't you can't go through any half measures. You really just have to tear into it. And here it felt like the satire was a little too light. Oh, they're making a sequel to Forrest Gump. Oh, there's a sequel to Patch Adams. Don't just kidnap them. You know, cut their fucking heads off or something, right? I mean, dude, just take it as far as it can go. It just feels like a movie to me that's almost, it's neutered in its own way as much as the Hollywood movies that it's parodying. Here's a, here's Here's where I feel like I disagree with you and the reason is that I think what makes it neutered is that I don't think the character of Cecil and his crazy gang of friends is done with as much charm and uh, affection as the freaks that populated John Waters' other films. I think that there is a reference to himself in the gang, and that's why he actually treats them not as well. That the movie, in some ways, is mocking them is, as much. It's mocking himself. It's saying, like, oh, when I was this person, yeah, there was something underneath that's kind of like fun, and we did our crazy shit, but it's also stupid. Like, they're stupid. Like, I don't, I don't think that they are, uh, charming in the way that some of his other extreme characters have been charming i think yeah obviously it's supposed to be kind of a dichotomy right where you have this the the treacly hollywood type material like the forrest gums like the patch adams and then you have the other extreme which is these guys who think of, of filmmaking as a revolutionary act and that to do it in any way but the way they're doing it is kind of a uh, perversion of what what filmmaking is supposed to be but the problem there is that I don't think either of them have much of a bite to them, right? I mean, saying saying that Patch Adams is lame in the year 2000 already felt like years out of date. Everyone knew it was lame when it came out. I mean, not everyone, but certainly the people who would go to see a John Waters movie. It just feels like an easy target. So this feels like almost like a movie imitating John Waters in some ways. I mean, again, there's his his trademarks are all over it. Even has a lot of his his classic casting. Ricky Lake's here, and Mink Stoll's here, and Patty Hearst is here. Um, but it just it to me, it felt like a compromised vision. And at the end of it, I it also it's kind of a badly made movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Where yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I know I... that that's kind of par for the course for John Waters movies, but it just feels super choppy and scenes just fade out at some point where it feels like they didn't really have a place to go. It it just feels kind of half finished to me. Well, I I, I think there's an element in it of him. I I think it's like his action movie, like he's trying to within the structure of the film reflect the the kind of like big actiony things that were going on. And I agree. I don't think it's his wheelhouse. Like, I don't think it's a strong movie for that element of it, but I don't know. It's never boring. I, I guess I just found it funnier than you did. Like I still was laughing through a lot of it. Uh, uh, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm more uh, amused by spectacle than you are. You know, you're Canadian. So you sure, want something sure, that's more. it. <laughs> You want something a little more intellectual, <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, they're not fucking, it's so funny. Let me tell you, you know? about the times I've looked at fireworks displays and just went, ooh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember when this movie came out, one of the things that got a lot of attention was that there was a mainstream Hollywood star in it. Melanie Griffith 
was in this John Waters movie and how interesting that is. But it's really funny to watch it now because there's at least like two or three cast members who are way bigger stars than Melanie Griffith in the supporting cast. That's very true. And I think, you know, and again, it is interesting to see a lot of talent, people who become a lot more visible and famous afterwards. But the fact that they're kind of relegated to supporting roles, really interesting supporting roles, but supporting roles make it a little bit uh, unfortunate. Though I, at least those characters do pepper and make uh, the movie and make it a bit more, uh, it brings life to it, I think. You know, Liam, we haven't really talked much about Eric Roberts in the movie <laughs> Cecil B. Demented. Uh Longtime listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking man might remember that Eric Roberts was in the movie The Cable Guy. Uh, we featured it on this show earlier. And in that movie, he is featured on television uh, in a Menendez Brothers parody uh, very briefly. In this movie, he has even less screen time. What does he do in this movie? What, what's Eric Roberts doing in Cecil B. Demented? Well, uh, you know, the, the, the main sort of thrust of Cecil B. Demented is to lampoon uh patricia hurst which uh was is a friendly lampooning because she's in the movie and they've actually been friends for a while i guess so it's not like he's like skewering her but there's this idea in which she's been kidnapped but the general society assumes that she's in on it i guess because she hasn't been killed or whatever and there's an element of stockholm syndrome here yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and so at at that point she actually hasn't uh bought in totally right but part of the way they convince her to is showing her the public response, which includes her ex-husband, I think, yes. uh, on a talk show talking about how he's not surprised she's a crazy person at all. And it's Eric Roberts. And it's so weird because on one hand, it's the dumbest little cameo in a lot of ways. On the other hand, for that like few seconds you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, he really nailed that. Like It's like actually what I wanted from him. <laughs> Even though it's such a small little thing, he like really gets at it, and I just was like, "Oh, that'd be fun." If if the point of this podcast was to review John Waters movies, and we just mentioned the the cameo, I'd be like, "With a great cameo from Eric Roberts," <laughs> because we're supposed to be talking about Eric Roberts. I'm like, uh, "It's kind of a letdown, a little bit, but it, it's good. It's a good cameo. Yeah, it's fun." It's fine. Again, it. I think if I was watching this without knowing Eric Roberts was in it. It would be a bit of a you know a, a very pleasant surprise to have him pop up. Isn't he talking to Roseanne in that scene? Yep. Because I guess Roseanne had a talk show at the time, a short-lived talk show. <laughs> and in this case, in this the universe that Cecil B. Demented takes place in, um, her show featured Eric Roberts. Liam mm-hmm. O'Donnell, if you were to have a filmmaker tattooed on your body, what filmmaker would it be? Um, it's funny you should ask me that because I was thinking about that and I think I would have a lot of trouble choosing, um, at times in my life, it would have been Kurosawa or maybe Carpenter for a brief period. It definitely would have been Von Trier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, right now, I don't know. It's actually impossible for me to choose because I was about to say, uh, Kozlowski, but, uh, I don't, I don't think there's enough there. Some of my favorite directors haven't made enough movies for me to say that's who I would want tattooed on me. Other directors I love, like, I love John Carpenter, except for, like, four movies that I fucking hate. So, like, it's really hard to, like, balance out, you know what I mean, what I would do. I I, I think uh, this is why I could never be in Cecil's gang, because there's no one that I'm like, yep, I unambiguously say 
tattoo that motherfucker right on me. It's also difficult to pick a filmmaker who is still living and is still working because it could be that their output takes a turn for the worst and it makes you forget that they ever made good movies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I feel bad saying that, but I, I mean, this is this happens in all kinds of things. You know, in some forms of music, people have long careers, but in a lot of the music I listen to, they don't. So, you know, uh, when a new band puts out a bad record and kids start to complain, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, titans of this genre only have one good record. I mean, I don't want to knock any of the tattoos that take place in the in the movie itself. And this is just an example. Don't take this as as a personal attack, not on you, but anyone listening. But like one of the characters has a Spike Lee tattoo. And in 2000, that probably seemed a little more revolutionary than it does in 2016. Uh, yeah. But not again, I like Spike Lee and I like some of his recent movies as well. I just mean that uh, you when you pick a living director, there is that potential for them to go in a direction. And it's like Von Trier is a good example as well. And I love Von Trier and I like almost all of his movies. But uh, I can see how, you know, his next movie could <laughs> could possibly have a theme that goes against your entire belief system or something like that. And you'd be like, oh, I have him tattooed on my ass. I don't know how I feel about that anymore. Right, exactly. I still think John Carpenter is the way to go, though. I mean, he's certainly, and I've made this argument to people before, uh, I, I certainly think he's the most consistent of that era. You know, like when, when people say, these are the people who changed horror, the dude who like most consistently actually made good movies is John Carpenter. You know, as much as I love Dawn of the Dead and Martin, you know, Romero isn't necessarily like consistent all the way through. Wes Craven, God no. Or Sam you know Raimi I mean? or someone like Again, but yeah, then yeah, again, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't necessarily have to pick someone who's consistent all the way through. Because John Waters would be a good person to get tattooed, and he's someone who's been very inconsistent. But, you know, it's maybe it's just someone who represents your attitude. And I know you're a punk, right? So maybe you should get like Alex Cox tattooed on your face. Uh, no. He's a punk. But I, I do love, I do, I actually. I am more confident in John Waters than a lot of other directors. Well, that's that says it all, I think. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man and Cecil B. Demented? Uh, I, I think I got to create a rule that if he's in a movie for literally less than 30 seconds, I can't say he's the fucking man. But then again, it is like a really good movie. Yeah, he's the fucking man. If you made that rule, that'll fuck up a lot of the movies we're going to be watching going <laughs> forward from here. <laughs> no, of course he's the fucking man. And again, I would consider him one of the highlights of Cecil B. Demented, a movie I didn't care for very much. But there are parts that I certainly uh, really related to and felt a connection with. Cecil B. Demented starring Eric Roberts from the year 2000. Check it out, says Liam O'Donnell. Yeah, I do. I do say that. All right, let's take our final break, Liam. When we come back, we're going to have a little quick chat, and then we're going to say goodnight. We'll be right back. It's only four degrees. 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 It's only I wanna see this world, I wanna see 
Episode number 35 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is in the can. And thank you, Liam O'Donnell, for being my regular co-host and just being a hell of a guy. Before we started recording today, I was telling Liam how much he is beloved on the social media sphere. And he was being very modest about how people respond to him. But I have to say that I'm a very lucky person to have Leo, Liam O'Donnell as my co-host. Liam, you're great. Oh, I really appreciate that, Doug. You know, um, I tell people all the time that uh, being on this show is... Just a real pleasure, not just because I don't have to do any work, mm-hmm. but also because you're one of the most pleasant people. Um, and I've actually been blessed. You know, I'm on three podcasts, and all three podcasts, my co-hosts are amazing. But again, on this one, I don't have to do any work, so that's also better. Being on a podcast where you don't have to do any work except watch movies, that's a great thing. I don't know why I'm the kind of <laughs> worker bee of the two podcasts that I regularly host. But uh, but that's just the, the position I found myself in, and it's why I dread every podcast I record. Because <laughs> the amount of goddamn work I have to do after it's done recording. Well, here's the thing. If we ever meet in person, I will 100% set up my setup, and then I will record one episode of Eric Roberts' The Well, you don't need to do that, Liam O'Donnell. I'm on the list to be on your Cinepunks podcast. That's true. You are official on the list. You were pretty fucking low on the list, though. Well, uh, oh, we didn't. You, we didn't rank them yet. When we rank them, you're going to be really fucking low. Well, on the you list, shared yeah. that Google Doc, so maybe I'll just edit myself in a little bit higher. <laughs> I've added a few names to it already. So, <laughs> did you? No, really? I'm just. I'm just kidding. No, please do. I would. That, that'd be good. I, I would love to. Uh, you know, Skype with your weirdo Canadian friends so they can talk about some shitty Toronto filmmaker or whatever. Sounds good to me. I love shitty Toronto filmmakers. <laughs> Liam, aside from Cinepunks, where, where can people check you out? Um, uh, on the Twitters, I'm at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. Uh, as you said, Cinepunks.com uh, or at Cinepunks. Uh, and that's punk spelled with an X in case you don't know how to spell punks. Uh, yeah, those are the main places to find me. Yeah, and what are those other podcasts that you are hosting? What are they called? So, uh, the Cinepunks website, we have the originator, the original Cinepunks podcast. And then I also host a podcast, or co-host a podcast called Horror Business. And the Twitter for Horror Business is the Horror Biz 666 Okay, and anything else? Um, There's a third you know, one? You, no? If you... Oh, and Eric Roberts is the fucking man. <laughs> That's this podcast. Go to ericrobertsisthemand.com because Doug doesn't have balls and he refuses to put fucking in. Well, also, it would make that URL very, very long. You can, of course, find us, yes, at Eric Roberts is the man or do a search for Eric Roberts is the fucking man on iTunes or do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on iTunes if you really want it to come up. You can, of course, join our, fa- our Facebook group. Just look for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. Or you can join us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can also find my writing over at dorkshelf.com. I'm currently doing a retrospective of the releases of Empire International Pictures, and I'm not just doing it in written form. I'm doing videos. I'm editing videos for each one of the movies, and it's a massive amount of work. So please go over to Dorkshelf, and you should be able to check out my video review or my video summary of Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin from 1983, and we'll be moving on to uh, the actual creation of the Empire Pictures very, very soon. You can also find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And you can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which is about micro-budget cinema over at nobudgetpodcast.com. New website coming soon. But with that said, Liam, I think that's every bit of Eric Roberts' news and ephemera that exists. 
Hopefully. No, not hopefully. It never ends, Liam. We're going to keep going, boy, because we made a blood oath, and there's so much more road to go before we can sleep. Oh, it's so bad. It's not bad. It's great. We're going to have cool, funky friends joining us on the new episode. <laughs> funky. Oh, God damn. Yeah, no, we're going to have some funky friends coming, funky fresh friends coming to join us on upcoming episodes. So why don't you check back here in just a couple of weeks? We'll be talking about some more Eric Roberts classics. And we'll be back with you soon. Keep your ears open and your nose to the ground and join us in the Robertsverse in just two weeks. Wiggity whack. Bye-bye. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. Eric Roberts is the fucking man.